In Acts 10.38, it says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. And so it goes on to say that God was the one who anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. There you have the Trinity right there. Isn't that that awesome? God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And of course, the anointing is what we know destroys the yoke and removes the burdens. So he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. That's Holy Ghost power. That's explosive power. That's power that can destroy cancers. That's power that can destroy arthritis and all the other itis brothers. Amen. Now notice, what did Jesus do with this? Well, he went about doing good. He went about doing good. What else would a good, good father have his good, good son do than other than going about doing good? Doing good. And of course, he, the good that he did was healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So I think it's important for us to take a look at that word, oppressed of the devil. And so we can see from that verse right there that healing is for those that have been oppressed. And the oppression doesn't come from God. The oppression comes from who? So it says right there that the oppression comes from the devil. And so we never want to think that God the Father is responsible for sickness and disease in the earth today. If he was responsible for it, if he was behind it, he would not have sent his son and anointed his son with the Holy Ghost and power. So we know this, that sickness is a satanic oppression. Now that does not by any means mean that a person that is oppressed with sickness and disease is possessed with the devil or has a devil in them, but we know either directly or indirectly he's responsible for it. Now, that's right, that's a better way to say it, he's the author of it, okay? So we see there then that as we taught Sunday morning, we talked about how that Jesus is a wonderful counselor and that he's also the mighty God. And we know that Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He said to Philip, he said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And so whatever we see Jesus doing, we know that it must be the Father's will because the Father and Jesus are one. Isn't that awesome? And so they are together, working together, removing sickness and disease. So we're sure that it's God's will to heal just by virtue of the fact of that one verse that God 
anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing some? No, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Let me just say it this way. Healing is God's will for all. Just like salvation is God's will for all. We know that not all will receive salvation because there must, they must access this grace of salvation with their faith. And people, of course, have a free will and they can choose to believe and receive or they can choose not to believe and receive. So that same thing is true with healing. Healing is for all, but not all are going to believe it. And not all are going to receive it. For whatever reason. Maybe they don't know that it's available to them. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why people don't receive. And we're not going to get into the depths of that tonight. But I just wanted you to see this. That our Heavenly Father is good. Jesus is good. And He never changes. He never changes. He hasn't changed his mind one bit, or we could say one iota. Healing is a forever settled reality of our redemption. Healing belongs to you. Healing belongs to me. Now, we know that it's a part of our covenant. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. And notice with me in verse uh, 4 and 5, Isaiah 53. It says, Surely he, now this is speaking of Jesus, has borne our griefs. Now, if you look up that word griefs, literally the word griefs there is sickness. Surely he has. That means he's already done it. When did he already done it? He already did it at Calvary. He already did it in his substitutionary sacrifice for you and I. So it's a forever settled fact in the mind of God that Jesus bore, carried, and took our sickness and disease. Isn't that great? But not only that, it goes on to say, and he carried our sorrows. Now, the word sorrows there is pains. So he took our sicknesses and carried our pains. Now, notice the next verse, verse 5. Let's read this together. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we are healed. Now, this is what we need to receive. We need to take what he's already provided for us. And not get into this thinking that, you know, someday, one day, I will be healed. Or we could say it the same way for salvation. Wouldn't it be uh, 
foolish to say, someday in the will of God and in the wisdom of God, someday in the plan of God, I'll be saved. That would be foolish. Why? Because salvation has already been bought and paid for. What we do is receive what is already done. And so, instead of saying, one day I will get it, we should say, I got it. I got it. I got it. I have received Jesus, and I have got salvation. Everyone say, I got it three times. Of course, you'd never refer to Jesus as it, but you know what I'm saying. We've got him. We've got him. Why? Because we believed in our heart and we declared with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Therefore, we are sure that we got it. So now the same thing is true with healing. It's bought and paid for. It's a part of the plan of redemption. And so for us to say and put off into the future our healing, what has already been taken care of in the past, is foolish. Did you get that? And many Christians are doing that. That's not to belittle them. Or to think less of them, but it's a truth. Many Christians are saying, someday I'll get my healing. Just keep praying for me, brother. And they go to meetings all over the United States, trying to get something they already have. Do you see that? With his stripes, we are healed. Say with me, I got it. I believe, I I have received, received. and I have my healing. healing. When do you have your healing? Right now. Why is that? Because now faith is. So tonight, I'm looking at a group of people that have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. Look over in Galatians, the third chapter, the 13th verse. I am redeemed. Bless the Lord. It says here that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, In order to know what we've been redeemed from in the curse of the law, you have to look at what the curse of the law contained. And we'll do just a little bit of that tonight, but let's talk about redemption. Everyone say redemption. Redemption. The word redeem means to buy back. It means to be purchased back. It means to be freed from captivity by payment of a ransom. So the question may be asked, what's a ransom? A ransom is a price paid for demands that must be met for the release of a captive. One day you and I were captive and held in bondage to sin. But Jesus came along 
And he paid the price. And he met the demands for the release of captives. Amen. And that's the good news of redemption. And I think the more that we declare that we are redeemed, the more real our redemption will become to us. Because there's value in believing and speaking and declaring. Say it with me, I have been redeemed. Now in Ephesians 1, 7, I'll quote this for you. We looked at it last week. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We could say it this way. Through him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood. You know, perhaps uh, you have heard of a lady by the name of Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. She wrote some tremendous books and uh, she came up with several songs about redeemed. And I want to read one to you, okay? Let me take a pull of water here. That's good water. And uh, she would get these by the Holy Spirit. Just like someone in the congregation may prophesy. And, you know, simple gift of prophecy is given unto men for edification and for exhortation and for comfort, right? And so somebody may give out a, a tongue and then someone come along and interpret that tongue. You know it's God when it edifies. You know it's the Lord when it comforts. And you know it's the Lord when it builds up. And then, and then sometimes, you know, you'll see Pastor Tom on the platform. We so appreciate the giftedness that God's given him. And he'll get a song in the Spirit. A song in the Spirit. What that is, that's the spirit of prophecy flowing through our dear brother in the form of... A prophecy. It's prophetic. It's beautiful. And you know, the great thing about it is this, is all of us can do that in our own home. You don't have to be a recording artist to sing. I've proved that. And Brenda proved that the other night. That picture was fake news. She was not singing in the choir. But it's all over Facebook. <laughs> you did look the part. But psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are given by the Spirit of God. And we can sing in our midnight hour. We can sing in the noonday hour. We can get up in the morning and worship and praise Him. And you'll notice sometimes... Just in your regular worship and in your regular praise, you'll kind of switch into another gear. And it's beyond the norm. It gets into supernatural flow of the spirit of prophecy. So I want to encourage you to do that. To sing unto the Lord. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
And so Dr. Yeomans would have the spirit of prophecy come upon her. I want to read to you what she would get in the spirit, one of many. She's by the Holy Ghost, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. As he hung on that shameful tree, and all that is worse is contained in the curse, and Jesus has set me free. Not under the curse, not under the curse, Jesus has set me free. For sickness I have health, for poverty I have wealth, since Jesus has ransomed me. Isn't that beautiful? By the Spirit of God. Know ye not that you've been bought with a price. Therefore, let us glorify God in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, because we have been blood-bought. Aren't you glad we're not self-made men and self-made women? We are blood-bought, purchased of God, a peculiar people, a holy nation. And as we closed last week, we got a little happy and we talked about how the blood will never lose its power. Billy Brim says this, if you make much of the blood, the blood of Jesus will make much of you. And I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but again, you don't have to wait to church to make much of the blood. You don't have to wait to church for Pastor Brenda to preach one of her masterpieces on the blood-bought church and blood-bought benefits for you to plead the blood. You can plead the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus every day of your life. And you know, we should be doing that over our nation right now. There is so much, so many tongues that have been arrayed against this great nation. So many words that are out there in the atmosphere. But God's words always trumps enemies' words. And so it's extremely important, es muy importante, that we not allow ourselves to coast through our lives without lifting up our voice and declaring the blood of the Lamb over our lives and over this nation in Jesus' name. I believe this, that in my life, in your life, and I even believe in America, the best is yet to come. Say it with me, the best. Is yet to come. Isn't that good news? Amen. Glory to God. And so this blood-bought benefit of boldness will get down into your spirit. The more that you declare your redemption. For example, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 through 14. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves... But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption 
for us. I'm glad he did. I'm glad I've been eternally redeemed. Being eternally redeemed is a whole lot better than being eternally damned. I thought about it today. Today is December 18th. It's my birthday. Not naturally, but spiritual birthday. Not, Not really spiritual birthday, but it's my birthday of being 45 years free from drugs and alcohol. To God be the glory. And when I think about what God's done for me, I don't have to work out my own redemption. I've been eternally redeemed. Whoo, it beats going to hell, I'll tell you that much. Aren't you, how many of you are on your way to heaven? If you're on your way to heaven, you ought to be shouting the victory. If you're on your way to heaven, you ought to be glad about it. For if the blood of bulls, verse 13, and goats, and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who the eternal Spirit offer himself without spot to God, now notice this, purge your conscience from what? To serve the living God. So the blood heals. The blood purges. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and verse 22 says this. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How many of you know the devil's a liar? And he's a historian. And he loves to remind us of our past failures. He loves to keep people in a consciousness of sin or sin consciousness. As someone so proficiently said that condemnation is in fact the confidence killer. But thank God... We have been bought. We have been paid for. Our sin has been removed. And if redemption has the power to purge your conscience from dead sins to serve the living God, it has the power to remove disease from your body. How many of you have ever heard of a preacher by the name of Smith Wigglesworth? Listen to what Smith said. He said, there's not one thing in me the blood of Jesus does not cleanse. He went on to say the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. He always reveals the blood of Christ. He is the lifting power of the church. Sometimes when I have communion, I look at this statement that he made. He said this, the blood can reach into the secret recesses of your motives and purposes and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all iniquity, all sin, all shame, and all guilt. So what are we waiting on? 
Let us therefore come boldly by the blood of Jesus under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I stole some of Brenda's notes today. She might recognize some of these. This is one of your messages from 2012. And the story is told about a woman who had a dream. Not a, you know, she hadn't been born again for very long, but she had a very colorful, sinful past. And uh, she passed away and she's waiting at the gate of heaven. And there were three others with her. And the question was being asked, why should you be allowed in? The man stood up and said, well, I went to church every Sunday. I said, no. The lady next to her stood up and said, well, I taught Sunday school every week. No. The man said, I did so many charitable works. I gave and gave and gave to good works. No. And then her turn came along. And she's thinking, I don't have anything. I was, I was a drug addict. I was a prostitute. I was all these things. But out of her mouth, she said, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I plead the blood. And that voice said, enter in. Enter in. Enter in. There are some things... And there are some doors that I believe God wants to open to us. There's some doors out there in 2020. There are some things for me and you and us to enter into. So to go through the door and to enter into that season of greater grace and even more, we must not allow ourselves to be held back by sin consciousness and insecurities. We must know who we are, whose we are, what we have, and where we are in Christ. And boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly, step right in to your new season. I got a new season. How about you? Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands and just thank Him for it. Hallelujah. A new season. A new day. Better. Greater. And I believe that for this place, Lord. I just preached my New Year's Eve message. We'll amplify it by God's grace and Lord willing. Amen. So again, back to our text, if you would. Thank you for bearing with me tonight. My voice is not quite as strong as it normally is. I'm calling it strong, but... Um, God's good. Amen. Amen. Back to Galatians 3.13. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. I often think of my spiritual father, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, who's been in heaven since 2003. And he wrote a book entitled Redeemed. And in that book, he presents this thought and presents this case. Sickness and disease. Is it a blessing or is it a curse? I think when we decide, when we define blessing and curse, we can see it clearly. W.E. Vine says of the word blessing, it means to cause to prosper or to make happy. Webster says it is the gift of divine favor or a special benefit. You know, when you look at the believer's benefit package, you look at Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5, where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeems thy life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He even satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed just like the eagles. Forgiveness, healing, redemption, satisfying you with good things. Question mark. Do you think sickness falls under the blessing? No, it does not. We don't see it in our benefit package. Therefore, we do not have to have it nor accept it. Now, if you look at the word curse, the word curse in W.E. Vine says, devoted to destruction or to wish evil upon, Webster says of the word curse, to speak evil of or to malign or to show ill will or harm. Does sickness fit in the curse realm? Yes, it, does. it brings destruction. Does it harm? Is it a blessing? And from the book Redeemed, I love this. Dad Hagen says, is sickness a blessing or a curse? God's word declares it's a curse. Some people would have us to believe that God blesses his children with sickness and disease. If he does, I'd prefer to let someone else have that blessing. (laughs) But according to God's word, sickness is a curse and health is a blessing. Disease is broken ease. Dis-ease destroys ease. It brings pain. Then he goes on to say, Sickness is pain and suffering. It makes slaves of family and friends who must care for their sick loved ones. Disease and sickness are enemies of mankind. Sickness, he says, is a thief and a robber. It has robbed many a young mother of her health, beauty, and joy. It has robbed her of her his it has robbed her husband of his wife, and has deprived her children of their mother, for she's no longer able to fulfill the duties of a wife and mother. 
So I think that God has made it very clear to us that sickness indeed is not a blessing, but sickness and disease is a curse. Now that does not mean by any stretch of the imagination that if you have sickness and disease that you're standing against and you're declaring your health and healing that you are cursed. You are not cursed. You are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You belong to God and God belongs to you. I just thought I'd better clear that up. Because here's what happens. People gonna get under condemnation. Because they're having to stand against something. Well, think about it this way. While you're standing against something, something has got to give. I said something's got to give. And you make the decision that it's not going to be you. Everyone say, I got it. I got it. I got real stirred up on that phrase. I got it because I watched Mark Brzee tonight and man, he preached a message called I Got It. One of the best messages I've ever heard him preach. It was awesome. Now, let's just get down to a, a couple more things. Who give me just a f- little bit more time? Okay, that's the three of you. I, I got the point. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. Now, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, in the first part of the chapter, it lists all the blessings when we walk in the commandments of God and when we are obedient. For example, Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 says this. It's going to come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, observe carefully all His command, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And if you took time, and we won't take time tonight, but if you'll study Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14, you'll see statements like this, that you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field. You're blessed coming in, and you're blessed going out. Somebody says, well, I'm not sure whether I'm coming or going. Well, you're blessed. (laughs) Blessed is the fruit of your body. The fruit of your womb. That means your kids are blessed. Your herds are blessed. Your cattle's blessed. Your babies are blessed. That's good news. In verse 8, I want you to notice this. Deuteronomy 28.8. It says, The Lord will command His blessings on you in your storehouses. Did you get that? Storehouses. Plural. That means your checking account, your savings account, and whatever else accounts you have. And all you set your hand to. And He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Say with me, all I set my hand to is blessed. Read verse 13 with me if you would, please. And the Lord will make you... Go ahead, read. That's awesome. I said, that's awesome. 
So these blessings then are conditional, and they still are. We must live according to Scripture for blessings to overtake us. The blessings of God not only require contending for the promises and the provisions, but it also requires for us to walk by faith. And how many of you know, from a natural point of view, it also requires us to do our due diligence where our body is concerned. We don't want to misuse it. We don't want to, you know, use it. And please, my dear brothers and sisters, don't ignore the warning signs. If there's something going on in your body that you know that you could have something to do with to close that door, naturally speaking, close it in Jesus' name. Sickness is not from heaven. So obedience then causes the blessings to overtake us, but disobedience opens the door to the curse. In Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 60, and we won't look at all those scriptures, just a few, you will see very clearly that the results of disobeying the commandments of the Lord opens up a door to the enemy. In Deuteronomy 28, 15, for example, it says, But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. In verse 21, it says this, The Lord will make or literally permit the pestilence cleave unto thee until He has consumed thee from off the land, whither you go to possess it. Now, if you look very carefully at some of these words, literally, he's talking about infectious diseases. He's talking about TB. He's talking about fever and inflammation, colds, arthritis, extreme burning, influenza, stroke, jaundice. All those things are under the curse. But don't forget, Christ has redeemed us. Say it with me, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Then in verse 22 it says, The Lord will smite thee with consumption and with a fever and with inflammation and with extreme burning and with the sword, with blasting mildew, until they pursue thee, until thou perish. These are sicknesses and diseases I don't even want to mention. They're ugly. They're not good. They don't belong to us. Say it with me again, because I'm redeemed. From the curse of the law. In verse 27, the Lord will permit thee to be smitten with the botch of Egypt. I'm not sure what the botch of Egypt is, but I don't want to find out. And with all these other ungodly things that come upon a man or a woman's body. But remember, those are under the curse, but you're under the blessing. And then verse 28, the Lord will smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. That's insanity. That's an illness of the mind. That's distractions of the mind. Astonishment of heart, confusion. Those things are coming under the curse. But I just want to remind you, once again, you're redeemed from the curse. You're redeemed. You're redeemed from losing your mind. You're redeemed from astonishment of heart. You're redeemed from anxiety. You're redeemed from depression. You have 
been redeemed. Amen. Glory. Whoo, glory. And you just take it right on through. You read it sometime. And any time you see something that doesn't look right or feel right, you just lift up your hands and lift up your voice and declare the blood of Jesus is greater than anything that can be passed down from natural bloodlines. Amen. Somebody said, my family had this, my family had that, my family had this, my family had that. They say, I'll be next. You want to say this when that comes to you. The curse is broken here. The curse stops here. Because I've got a new family. And I got a new papa. I got a new daddy. And he's watching over you. And he's watching over me. Hallelujah. Strokes, heart attacks, those things are under the curse. They'll ask you, you know, when you go to the doctor, well, was there any of this in your family? And, you know, you just need to keep on your mind that you've been redeemed. And then finally in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 61, or verse 60 and 61. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou was afraid of, shall cleave unto thee. Now notice this. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord permit to be brought upon thee until you be destroyed. Notice this. Any sickness that's not listed in that list of Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 61, any sickness, known or unknown to mankind, is a curse. But Christ has redeemed you and has redeemed me from all sickness for all time, anytime, anywhere, any place. Stand up, everybody. That's good for tonight.